Welcome to Afterlife Mysteries. I'm Kalila Smith. Joining me today is Billy Roberts, my co-host all the way from the UK. And we have a special guest today. Joining us is also Jude Arslan, a friend of Billy's from the UK. And, and also, we're going to be talking about animals today, the wonderful healing power of animals. And it's always fun to talk about animals. We all love animals here. Welcome, guys. How are you? Hi, yeah, all good. How are you? I'm great, great. Thank you. Yeah, great I'm to good. have you. Wonderful to see you again, Billy. And wonderful to see you again, Judith. Yeah, nice Always a pleasure. So, Billy, you have written two books and done so much work with animals over the years and the healing powers. I mean, it's just amazing and fascinating some of the things that you have discovered. Um, so, tell us a little bit about what you do with your work with animals? Well, I found that, um, I mean, I interviewed over 300 veterinary surgeons in the UK. And um, I found there was a, a similar thread through them all. I mean, everybody has always uh, accepted the fact that, you know, animals in our home, our pets, are reassuring. It's, but they're far more than a fairy presence. You know, there's a lot more to animals dogs and cats than we have previously thought. And today it's a scientific fact that animals contribute something which might be defined as metaphysical, but they release a very subtle energy into the atmosphere that precipitates the endorphins in our brains. So we know a pet a day, a pat a day, sorry, keeps the doctor away or a cuddle a day keeps the vet away. And um, you, you might, some of you might have noticed that, you know, when you're in pain or you're feeling miserable or down in the doldrums, your dog or cat will gravitate towards you. People with backache have uh, said that, you know, the dog or cat will gravitate to the back. And, you know, it's, it's a warmth, it's a warm presence. But something deeper than that is released. And, you know, within a short space of time, you find that, the pain has diminished. And scientists have wondered why this happens. And they do realize that there is something metaphysical, something scientific that goes on with the presence of an animal. The other interesting thing I found was uh, a lot of research in uh, Russia and in America. Uh, they concluded that a, a child brought up in a family with no animals is far more um, uh, emotionally insecure than a child brought up with a pet of some description. You know, we're not confined to dogs and cats. We're talking about other animals as well. Um, birds, parrots, and cockatiels, all these different animals contribute something to our, our background, our, our life. So yeah, there's a lot to animals. And if we go back in history, you know, the Egyptians revered the, the, the cat as a deity. They worshipped the cat. And they were quite, cats then were quite venomous. They were quite aggressive. They protected their owners. But they buried the cats with the pharaohs and people of note because cats carried with them some sacred entity, some sacred energy. And this was carried, this belief, was carried through to the Elizabethan times because the Elizabethans believed that cat fur warded off the pain of gout, 
and arthritis. And that's why if you go into a Elizabethan home, uh, four-posted bed, you'll often see fur draped over the bed. This is cat fur. They didn't kill the cats for the fur. They waited for the cat to die, thank God. But the Elizabethans carried it to the extreme. They used to bleed the ear of cats and they'd mix the blood with an infusion of herbs, vinegar, and um, honey. And they would administer this orally because they believed it was good for shingles and nervous dispositions. When the cat objected, the cat always objected. But, and whether it worked or not, I don't, don't really know. But, you know, we can delve into this a little bit more. And I'm sure uh, Judith has got a few uh, things to say about the animals and particularly Paddy, your dog. Oh, yes. Yeah. I I mean, this is a story um, um, quite recently. It was about 18 months ago. And um, my mum had came to visit me and I have uh, I have a little pug and his name's Paddy. And, you know, he's very well pampered. He's very well loved and he's very spoiled. And um, this was completely out of character for him. Um, my mum had come in and he'd, he'd done the greeting. He was, you know, wagging his little tail and he was licking her and loving her. But he, it, he'd climbed on top of her and he was smelling her. And then he sat down on a knee and he was staring at her. Now, the staring went on for approximately three hours. He just wouldn't stop looking at her. And this was totally, totally out of character for him. Um, and, you know, the afternoon went on and my mum had said to me, you know, is, is something wrong with Paddy? Is he unwell or anything? And I said, well, no, you know, he's, he's, he's fine. And, you know, my mum was well in herself, you know, we were laughing and joking. And we just thought it was very strange behaviour that we'd not seen from him. And then um, a few hours later, she'd gone home and she was taken ill very, very suddenly. And she was rushed to hospital and she was unconscious for several days. And to me, I believe my dog was had known that she was going to be ill and that there was something wrong. And I believe he was indicating and trying to tell her in his own way that this was going to happen and that um, she was, in fact, very, very poorly. Wow. Oh, amazing. That is amazing. It really is. Yes. I mean, Sorry, sorry. I mean, I, I mean, I've been around dogs all of my life. And I, even when, um, you know, when the strangest thing is that um, when when we've had passings, some of my dog, my dad's dogs used to howl yeah. when somebody yeah. had passed away. And it was, you know, they could be miles away. And with the, with, wow. there we go. <laughs> wow. They were, they knew. I, I was going to say some, some, not all vets are um, au fait with this. A lot of vets are very skeptical. But the ones who are very interested in the psychology of, of pet healing, they believe that animals, particularly dogs and cats, they can monitor molecular changes in the atmosphere. So they can detect when you're not feeling too good. Uh, they can smell it. They can sense it. And this is why a lot of homes in the volcanic regions keep a dog or a cat because they can monitor molecular changes and foretell the approach of uh, a hurricane or a volcanic eruption 24 hours before it happens. And because of all this, all because of all this happening, 
They've now used them on trained dogs and cats to detect the onset of an epileptic seizure in people with epilepsy. So they have an unusual skill. Whether we can define that skill as psychic or what, we do know that there is some kind of um, off-lactory uh, device in uh, the, the nose of a dog. Uh, present company, Paddy, because he's got a short nose. But dogs with a long snout, they seem to be able to smell things. Now, it, it is a fallacy, though, that cats can see in the dark any better than humans. Um, and this is another thing that came up in the research. Only some cats have an unusual ability to see in the dark, the same as humans. My wife can see in the dark, she claims anyway. Um, <laughs> so we know animals play an integral part in human consciousness, and we cannot live in an animal-free um, planet uh, because there's a, there's a lot more to them than we, than we realize. Wow. You, you being an animal owner, Kalila, uh, you must have stories to tell. Oh, I do. I, I do. I have several cats right now. Um, I, I think I've officially grown into the crazy cat lady, and, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> but one of my cats uh, is a female cat, and I've had her for about, I guess, about four years now. She was a rescue. All of my animals are rescues. And um, she's a tortoiseshell cat, and she's kind of the mother of the pack. And what she will do is she goes to each cat and she helps groom them. She'll start grooming the other cats and taking care of them. But um, a few years ago when I had, um, I had a dog that lived to be 18 years old, it was a tiny little Yorkie. She was only maybe three and a half pounds. And when Pepper became ill, she couldn't just roam the house because she couldn't see. And I was afraid she was so small, she might get shoved behind furniture. So I had like a little pen that I kept next in my office so that she kept, could roam in her own little area and she wouldn't get lost in the house or under furniture. And the cat would climb in there with her and curl around her and keep her warm because Pepper, Pepper was so old and um, very sickly, you know, on and off again. Like every day would be like, oh gosh, today's the day, you know? And then she would, she'd go to the vet and she'd be like, no, she's better now, now she's eating. And this went on for two years. She lived an additional two years after they were oh. like, I don't know. <laughs> so, but um, Coco, the cat would go into her pen and wrap around her and kind of keep her warm and, and pretty almost like holding her. And uh, she seems to detect when the other animals um, need attention or, or if some, one of them is ill, she will immediately go to them. And uh, I thought that was very interesting because this is the first time I've had multiple cats and they really do. It's amazing how much they look after one another. You know, they really, and they'll have like one in the pack that is like the caretaker and she just goes around and she takes care of all of the other cats and even the dogs she'll go in and she'll she'll sleep next to the dogs and you know cuddle up with them yeah well, we, we hear stories about um people moving home and the cat disappearing and um they move 100 miles away and the cat will find them uh it will travel 100 miles and a lot of these vets believe that there's a cats particularly cats have a navigational device navigational particle in the in your system 
and it enables them to guide their way, to find their way home via the moon and the sun. So they're, they're sort of astronomers in, in a way. Wow. They, they know the difference between night and day, and they, they can sense which direction their owners have gone to, gone into. And I, I think that's, that's something else which is quite unusual. It's a, an ability we humans don't have. They also have, we know about chakras and we've covered, we've explored the subtle anatomy. Animals, particularly dogs, have two major chakras in the brain, in the head. We call it Ajna here between the brows. But the a dog will have two chakras so they can sense things in all directions. They're different than cats, obviously. Um, dogs seem to be... Um, uh, they're territorial to, to a degree, but cats, they're very independent creatures because they don't seem to give a damn whether you want them or not. They live their own lives. And, and that's I, I, had, um, I had a cat. When my dad had brought me a cat. It was, it was a kitten at first. He brought him as a gift uh, to me when I was younger. And I was the only one that could tame this cat he was, he was my cat, you know, and, and he wouldn't do anything for anybody else. But for some reason, he'd let me dress him. I'd, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd put him in dolls clothes and he'd let me do it, but if, he wouldn't let anybody else do it. And, and I'd hold him like a baby. And I tell you, when I was ill, um, he would sit in my arms cradling me the whole time whenever I was ill as, as a child he would sit and I was you know when he died I was absolutely devastated because he really was like um like my baby as well as my best friend so it, whenever I was born he would know he would just come and sit in my arms and he wouldn't leave my side until I was recovered so he oh. said you know I can see I, I really can see the benefit and I 100% and I believe that animals can not just sense a person's illness, they can actually help heal somebody as well. That, that's exactly it. And also the, um, it, an animal, it's like a child. You talk to a child about death, it doesn't know what you're talking about. Death's a foreign language. And animals, they don't see death as a, 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 threat, a threat. They see this world and the next world as one. There's one in, have I got, can I just tell you a quick story, Kalila? Yes. It was a, 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 a blind lady. <clears throat> it's a true story. She'd had this um, a, a Labrador, a, a guide dog, for, for quite a long since it was a pup. And um, it got very old and it died. Well, she became very um, depressed, this woman. And the, the, the blind the people who train these dogs brought a few dogs to her. And uh, she, she couldn't take to them. They were either very clumsy uh, and led her down the wrong uh, route. It couldn't negotiate their way around obstacles. Uh, she just felt, no, I don't, I don't want another dog. So they eventually persuaded her to have another Labrador, a golden Labrador. And she couldn't take to this one either. It was all over the place because it sensed that it, she didn't like it or didn't want it. And then one day, all of a sudden, for no reason whatsoever, the dog started to behave and respond to her commands and lead her down the high street. And she was able to negotiate her way around obstacles and lampposts and all these different things. And then somebody um, phoned her from the local church 
and said, I'm, I'm really pleased to see that um, uh, Bono, which was the dog who died, uh, and the person didn't know it, it died. I'm, I'm pleased to see that he's taken well to your new dog. See, I believe this, training, you know, so they become farmers, so it knows what to do. And the woman said, well, Bono died, died uh, a few months ago. And this woman said, no, but I saw, saw her. I saw him with, with your new dog. Said, you couldn't have done. And uh, that's a true story. Oh. It's uh, the way animals reach from beyond the grave. Yeah. And care for the, the people who've cared for them. They and do. I thought, beautiful story. They really do. So animals They're do definitely. play. They play an inter integral part in yeah. human consciousness. And also they help our development. Because we know that um, that there have been stored the PAT dogs, pets as therapy in the UK. I don't know that you have them in a, in America. They do, yes, they, they do. But they take them round now to people who've had strokes, people who um, have had uh, crippling illnesses, and these dogs particularly are able to encourage the person back to health, and. Um, particularly when they've had a stroke and they lose their mobility and their, their, their speech is incoherent. These animals encourage these people back to health. And I find it very, very uplifting to know that animals can do this. Mm. And people who are cruel to animals, and that's another story altogether. Mm. Cruelty is an abomination. And um, I don't know, and this stealing of animals today Daily. Yeah, that's horrible, horrible. And the abuse, yeah, it's terrible. It really is. People are cruel. There is a, a there's a, a guy in uh, Tallahassee, um, and he's got two dogs. He's got a Schnauzer called Breeze, and a Labrador called George. And they're he's, a, he's actually um, a skin specialist, and they're able to smell uh, cancer that can't be detected. Some cancers can't be detected with traditional means. And they, these animals, these two, he just leaves them with the patient and they're able to pinpoint the actual, where the, um, the cancer is. Yeah. And, and they, they'll growl or they'll lick it and um, enable, and they save many lives just by yeah. this process. I think it's brilliant. Now, didn't you I, I see a documentary with that. I'm sorry? I saw a documentary where they were um, trying to um, train dogs um, to sniff out cancer, and it was extremely interesting. Mm. They, they, they weren't wrong. I've heard of that. I've heard of that. Now, Billy, you've, I, I know that in your books, you've got two books that you've written about animals, and I don't remember the details of the, the cat purring. Doesn't that create a frequency that facilitates healing yeah. as well? Yeah, I mean, th there are some discrepancies in it. I mean, some people believe that uh, when a cat blinks, it's a smile. Um, in one of my books, the, the wagging of the tail, a dog will do, but cats do it also. And um, there's this particular pair, uh, there is a frequency. If you, if you put your cheek or your head against the cat's head and wait for a couple of seconds, it will begin to pair. And it's in this particular sequence. And it won't go on and on and on. It will stop at a certain point. 
But if you're feeling a little bit despondent, a little bit depressed, as a lot of people are in this pandemic, and you, you have a cat and you put your face, if you know the cat well and it's not going to rip your eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> as our, our, one of ours right. would. It will purr. And there's something hypnotic about that purr. There's something, if you record it and play it on, on a loop, there's something that calms you down in it and it will really send you out into another zone. It will help you to zone out. But wagging of the tail as well is another um, strange phenomenon that cats do. Because in, in yoga, there are nine different pranic energies. And they say a cat has nine lives. Um, now, there are nine energies in the cat fur. And if you are a, oh, wow. if you are a, vital, a vitally healthy person and you breathe rhythmically, around a cat, if you breathe in a certain way and you hold your fingers on your solar plexus, you breathe in, and as you breathe in, imagine white light coming down into your fingertips, transfer them from your, your, your tummy, and if you shake them, like playing a piano from tail to head without touching it, the cat will arch its back and its tail will go up into an S shape and it will move away from you. Because you're actually giving the cat something it doesn't need as pranic energy, wow. as great amounts of pranic okay. energy. Interesting. And very, very color. interesting. And color, that they respond to color. They say that dogs are, are colorblind, but dogs and cats respond to color. So if your pet is lethargic and not feeling too well, if you lie it down on a red bed, and if you, if you can, bathe it in a red light, you'll find it will rejuvenate your, your cat or dog, give it the energy it needs, and it will recover very quickly. You can do it with any color, whatever color you feel uh, it needs. This is chromotherapy, the art of healing with color. All fascinating stuff. It is, it really is, and, and they are really amazing, amazing creatures, you know, especially the cats. The cats are so... They're so in tune to everything. They really, they really are. I mean, they and and yes, yeah, sometimes they will try to claw your eyes out, but for the most part. And then they're sorry yeah. afterwards. You know, they're sorry. Yeah. But um, you know, yeah, the head sure. butting when you know, sometimes they'll come and they'll butt their head up against you, or they butt their head against each other, and that's actually a sign that they're taking, they're claiming you. So if they're butting their head up against you and, you know, trying to get you to yeah. pet them with that head butting, that's saying, you know, you're, you're my person. They're claiming you as their human. And then of course you have to serve them, but nonetheless. What's that? I had to do all of that with my cat. I'm pretty much sure I was, I was his human and uh, I was oh, on his absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. They're, they're still thinking that it's, it's Egypt and everybody's worshipping them and, you know, it's all about them. <laughs> the other thing I've noticed with our two pussy cats, I've always been a dog person ever since I was a kid. Uh, I had a cat when I was very young. But we lost a cat. We inherited Dolly's mother's cat, Pessie who was 18 when she died. She was a lovely pussycat. And she introduced me to the feline world and made me look at cats in a different way. Um, and we swore we'd never have another cat after 
um, Pessy when she passed away. But we moved, Dolly was uh, commissioned to do a uh, house up in a place called Ellesmere Port on, on the Wirral. This is before we moved to Cornwall. And um, it was on a farm and the farmer, you know the way far, some farmers treat their animals. They had yeah. a cat yeah. that had a litter of six cats. And um, two of those cats were, were, um, were the ones we've got. They were uh, female. Now, we've got one, it's a tortoiseshell, um, long-haired tortoiseshell. And the other one is a, a tuxedo cat. Perfect bib, white bib, perfect uh, white paws. And she's very demure, very refined, whereas Pess and uh, the other one is very scally catish. You know, she's rough and timble. She'll have a go at anybody or anything. <laughs> but they they actually, um, they, the farmer said to us, you can have them. They were four weeks old. You're not supposed to leave the litter no. that early. When we took them in. Now, we witnessed this this farmer, the woman. She, she didn't have any cat litter. She put, she put them up by the tail and put them on in the garden on the, uh, what did he call them? The mole, where the moles dig to, to do their business. And that was it. And she was very cruel. And so we were eager. We, we didn't want to get uh, male cats because apparently they spray everywhere. So Dolly said, I would have had them all. Uh, we took Ellie and Poppy. Immediately, Ellie, the long-haired tortoiseshell, she gravitated towards me, being the scally one in the family. And then um, the other one being refined, gravitated towards Dolly. Now, bear in mind, they were four weeks old. And we sat in the front garden with the two. I had Ellie in my arms. And it was about five weeks this, after we got them. The woman, the farmer, will remain nameless for the time being. She came out to stroke Ellie. And Ellie hissed at her. Oh. She knew who she was and she knew how wicked she was. And and the lady went, Oh, why is she doing that? <laughs> so animals do, they do have good memories as well. Oh, they do. Absolutely. They, they definitely do. And they can tell who likes them and who does not like them. I mean, it, that, that's, a, that's, I always, always told that the way you can tell if a person is a good person is to put them around a dog, bring your dog around them. If the dog yeah. doesn't like them, they're not a good person. And the dog, the dog will decide if they're worthy yeah. enough, yeah, you know, right. and, and if they are not a good person and they know people who are not animal people, they totally know that. Yeah. And, yeah. and they will, and they will go out of their way to agitate them um, if they can, because they know it. And, um, my cat was things. like that as well, you know. When my my cat was like that, he knew um, who he could go to, who who'd want fuss from him, and who wouldn't. And uh, he could be quite ruthless to those that, yeah. that didn't have a, a a nice heart, so to speak. <laughs> they they can be. I mean, you you know the expression being catty. I mean, they're they're very unpredictable. Yeah. I mean, um, I actually find Billy that the uh, female cats are more unpredictable and a little more finicky than the males actually if you get a male cat and you neuter them before six months old they will not spray really uh, you do have to get the neutering early 
and you have to do it before six six months before they develop their scent glands and actually you can prevent them from spraying and actually they have the neutered males have much better temperaments do they than the female cat oh yeah the female cats they oh, they're catty i mean you can pet them for one minute and then they the next thing you know i used to have a persian I had a persian cat uh that someone had given me and she was horrible she's absolutely horrible beautiful cat beautiful gray persian cat and she would come over and she'd lean up against me and i would pet her and i would brush her and then she would have enough of that and she'd walk away and she'd get about halfway across the room and she'd stop and she would turn back and look at me and then charge at me and bite me and then take off again and she did this every time i had an encounter she did it and it was like what is wrong with this crazy cat and <laughs> but i found out that she had been with someone who had really neglected her and um, was not was not nice to her so she had some some ptsd going on i guess you could say but um but yeah cats you know my female cats they're just they're they're just they can they can get really nasty at times oh yeah like the I other cats and, and with the dogs I've only ever had male. I've had two 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 boy cats. I have, and um, they were I've got to say as good as gold. As a matter of fact, I used to get asked if I trained them that way, and I just no, I didn't need to. They were just natural. They were good for me. <laughs> I think the males tend to be once they're neutered. I mean, if they're not neutered, they 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 stray a lot, and you know they they roam the neighborhood and they spray, and it can be. I never had that with mine. Um, my two my two boys were never neutered, um, and they were you know they were really really good cats. They used to stay local. They they used to stay actually on the on the on the on the land that from the house that we had. Wow. So they didn't really go any anywhere. But the, it's always as if they were waiting for me to come home. And of course, as soon as I was home, you, that was it. But I think they, they wouldn't tolerate anybody else. And um, I mean, I, I often used to get. Um, family and that say to me oh you know what have you have you trained him to do that have you trained that one to do that you know and i'm like no i haven't <laughs> yeah. he just he loves me he's my cat <laughs> they really they really are very sweet i mean i, I don't know I, I, i'd take a male one and, and with some breeds of dogs it's the same way too yeah um you know i have a shih tzu and i also have a shih tzu mix who's a female and uh when i was researching the shih tzus um sometimes the females can be very territorial and um just you know in, as they get older they don't have really nice personalities actually my yorkie didn't have much of a good personality towards the end i mean she wouldn't let anybody near me and you know she just i don't know she got weird doing towards the end there i guess she I had a little bit of like, dementia i, I actually on. like a dog and a cat that's got a little bit of feistiness about them i think it's their it's their personality it's their it's who it's who they are and i actually yeah. like that because you know, everybody has off days, and I think even animals have their off days, and so they have that little bit of feistiness there, and I actually quite like that. I admire them for it. <laughs> Honey, I did something. Um, the, 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 the tuxedo cat we've got, who's very demure, very psychic. She, if you're not well, just stare, not at your face. She stares around your head, and she'll follow something around your head. So Dolly was working in the studio yesterday and I, I was at a loose end and I she gravitated towards my lap for a change. And Poppy, this is the, the um, tuxedo. And I thought, well, I'm going to put you to the test. I don't know whether this constitutes exploitation or what. But I, got <laughs> a, I got a piece of paper and I wrote 
down all the numbers of the lottery. <laughs> my, I forced Poppy to stay on my lap until she knows enough numbers. Six, seven numbers. And then, then she, she finished and she went. But after she'd gone, I thought, you've done too many numbers. She did two more numbers that, that were stuck together. So I'm waiting for the lottery tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know. Let us know if you win. That'll be interesting if you win. Does she now, get catnips for that though? Is she? Are you going to? <laughs> I bribed her with dreamies. <laughs> you can have some. And that's the other thing. I gave her dreamies, and uh, Ellie was upstairs. Couldn't hear what I was doing. Within moments, Ellie came down the stairs. She sends dreamies coming out of the box. So I had to give her dreamies. And then I had My to give box her. like that. You, yeah. you, you open psychic. a up and you <laughs> They are psychic. They say they're psychic, that they're definitely psychic. Now, now I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Billy, but I find, you know, especially having worked with, you know, being a medium and also having worked in the paranormal for so long, that the cats in particular, they really are sensitive to other spiritual energy you know oh, spirits yeah. being in the house they definitely will see things the dogs as well i mean they'll yeah. just stand in a corner and bark at something um yeah. that's not there but there is something there and it's it's very unusual but the cats in particular and it's funny because the cats uh there's one cat um that i have had i, I guess she's about 13 years old now and originally got her she was could fit in the palm of your hand only if you couldn't hold her in the palm of your hand now i don't know how he caught it but my ex-husband somehow caught this kitten and it was freezing outside and he brought it in the house and i went over there one day and i see this little tiny kitten and and he says ah oh, he says i'm not bonding with it very much so i, I don't know what i'm gonna do with it and i thought gosh i better get it out of here because he's gonna throw it back outside so i somehow caught it put it in a a carrier and got it home and this cat I thought well you know if we really tame it it'll be okay I could never tame this cat I mean this little thing it was this big and it would hiss and growl and it was it was wild it was a wild kitten so I you know I put her in the back room I had her in a particular room that I call the cat room and my my daughter who had down syndrome uh, was fascinated with this kitten because she was so tiny and it was the only cat we had at the time and you know she said that's my kitten I want the kitten in my room so I said okay that you know it's fine I said if the cat's crazy it's gonna bite you and she said no no she won't and I put the cat in Stephanie's room and within a short while the cat really bonded with her and I think the cat knew that she was special and Stephanie would sit on the floor and play her video games and the cat would come and sit on her lap and she would call the cat. She would walk all over the house as the cat grew. She'd walk all over the house and she'd say, come on, come on. And the cat followed her everywhere she went. If Stephanie was sitting at the table coloring in her coloring books, the cat would be right there. No matter where she was, the cat was like connected to her. Wow. And it was, you know, very strange because I could still, I used to have to hire people to come to my house and help me catch the cat to take it for shots. I mean, this cat was just, she was wild. And I felt so bad for the cat after my daughter passed away because the cat really, I really thought, oh God, this cat is going to just mourn. And it was very strange because the cat started sitting in the same places where Stephanie always sat. Uh -huh. And she would just stare at this one chair and just stare at it and stare at it and stare at it. I thought, 
I wonder if she sees her. And over time now, I mean, my daughter's been dead now for maybe eight years now. As long um, as that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And now the cat has bonded with me. And now I can pick her up. She'll come and sit on my lap. I have, like, it's like a totally amazing. different animal, completely yeah. different animal. But I know for certain that for a long time, she saw that cat. She saw Stephanie. I know she did. And this cat was so wild. At, at first I thought, you know, I, I have to get rid of this cat. And then I said, well, I can't because that's my last connection to her. Is that crazy wild cat that I can't touch and I can't take to go. If she gets sick, I'm, I'm really out of luck because you can't do anything with her. Um, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to get rid of her because it was like, I, I can't, that was my last, that's my last connection. So I, I made her a promise. I said, I will always keep your cat. I will keep your kitten. She called, even after she was full grown, it was a small cat. She called it a kitten. And I said, I'll always keep the kitten. And I still have the kitten and then the kitten's like 13 or 14 years old. And but for the longest time, for, for a couple of years there, she would sit there and just stare or she would go in Stephanie's room and just sit on the bed and just. Stare. I had um, something with my, my cat some years ago and um, I was, uh, you, you know, in, in, in the family home. And um, obviously it's a big old house, you know, there's lots of things going on in that house um, still to this day. And um my cat to me was my guardian he used to protect me and this one evening i was making my way upstairs and the, my cat had gone first and his he watched his back and he, he was hissing and making this growling noise and, and there wasn't anybody in front of me that i could see and he was literally going back and forth almost as if he was trying to charge at something that wasn't there and it was ever so strange it was actually quite unnerving because it was in a very similar area that i'd had a an experience years later from so um it sort of pieced it together to me that maybe the cat was actually protecting me from something that was that was there and uh, of course my dog did the same um about four years ago in my own house he just you know um totally um behavior that's not um known to him and is uh, is back watched, and he was barking and growling, and all his hair went up on his on his back, and uh, and I couldn't again, I couldn't see um, what it was, but I, I got the impression there was something there, but I, I didn't further it, I didn't investigate it. <laughs> so yes, definitely. Better you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, they definitely can see things, and you know, uh, well, Billy and I are working on a uh, on a book on. Um, you know, witchcraft and, and magic and all. And um, uh, one of the things I am working on right now is talking about, you know, you know, witches being associated with cats. And they they really have a, 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 a bad history as far as the cats go. You know, in Egyptian times, they were treated like gods. Yeah. They were actually worshipped. And, you know, these animals were, were held in very high esteem. But, you know, by by medieval times, I mean, during the times of the plague, I mean, you know, in, in the high times of what we call the burning times, um, the church actually, in some places in Europe, actually promoted the killing of cats that they actually believe yeah. well, you know and it's and it's 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 really strange because you know of course if you had your healer living out in the woods of course they're going to have animals of course there's going to be cats because it kept the rats away and yeah. and they're also very psychic and and that connection there 
but it was so uh, horrible with the witches, with the witch hunts, that they actually got this hatred for cats, and they really thought that witches were turning into cats. They thought that they could shapeshift to cats. Yeah. This is how they would travel in the night. And, and the cats got this really bad rap. And interestingly yeah. enough, uh, this is what a lot of people believe started the, uh, the plagues because they started killing cats in Europe. You know, they started ordering that cats be killed because they were terrified of them. Cats were evil. Cats were messengers of the devil. Cats yeah. were associated with witchcraft. Um, uh, the old wives' tale, even in my, when I had a child, my first child, this is the 70s, you know, there was still the old wives' tale of, you know, don't have a cat with a baby in the house because the cat's going to steal yeah. the baby's breath. They yeah. kind of get in the crib and suck the air out of the baby. Yeah. And people truly believe, I mean, my mother believed that. She was like, yeah. well, the cat will smother the baby. It's like, how? How is the cat going to do that? Well, they go in and they suck their breath out of it. And I was like, oh, I don't think that's going to really happen, but okay. But, you know, cats had a bad rap. So there was this mass killing of cats going on all across Europe and, of course, you kill the cats, what do you have? You get more rats, you get more rodents, you get all this vermin going on. And then, of course, the rats had fleas, and this is where the plague came from. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of people believe that if they would have left the cats alone, and I've seen it in modern times in the French Quarter during the pandemic, um, used to be cats all over the French Quarter, you know, everywhere. They were In the back of the cathedral, there was a big garden, and it was full of cats. And people would always go and, and feed the cats and, and, and provide for them. And at some point in time, somebody went in and cleared all the cats out of the French Quarter. All the cats oh, gone. No. Well, <laughs> you know, we started getting more and more rats. I can remember standing in front of the, um, where we where our tours launched from and standing there would be a, a like a sewer right there. And you'd hear something down in the sewer and you could look down there with a flashlight and you would see just tons of rats everywhere. So consequently, when the pandemic came along and everything shut down, guess what came out? The rats were everywhere in the French Quarter. Now, I would have thought that the logical thing to do would have been go to the shelter, get all of these cats that have no homes, have them neutered, have them released into the French Quarter, and then this will solve your rat problem. But instead, they went in and they poisoned all the rats. They sent a company in to poison all the rats. Well, guess what happened? You have dead rats all over the place from months on end because, you know, that's that's one of the things that happens. That's the trade-off for when you kill all the rats. But, um, you know, it's been a total problem. Literally, you would see them. There was hedging on, on Decatur Street where we start with the buses. And you would see them, like, hopping up. They would, like, come up out of the hedging and, like, jump. And, you know, we're talking very big rats out there by the river, huge rats. And because they were jumping like that, they would just, like, pop up and then pop back down. I started calling them French Quarter bunnies. And, you know, a person would say, what was that? And I'd say, oh, it's one of the bunnies. There's bunnies out here. We have, it's the French Quarter bunnies. And they would say, like, you mean, like, a rabbit? And it was like, it's a French Quarter bunny. And they're like, a rabbit. And I was like. Okay, it, it's a rat. Okay, it's it, it's a rat. But, um, <laughs> it's a bunny. It doesn't have big ears, or, and it's got a long tail. But it's it's a bunny because they would jump. And um, yes, it was very strange. And I watched this phenomena happen over the course of a couple of years. And it was like, 
where's the cats? What did they do with all of these cats? They were doing that um, at the start of this pandemic. They were actually culling animals at the start of this one. Um, yeah, yeah, there was lots of, um, it was all over the news. They were literally um, um, uh, euthanizing family pets and, mm. and things like that because, because they assumed that it was the animals that had caused the, the, the pandemic. So, yeah, I actually found that quite shocking. Yeah, that awesome. is shocking. That is really shocking. I mean, but people really got ignorant. The ignorance and the stupidity came out during this pandemic when it came to animals. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. you know, if it came from animals, let's kill all the animals. And then there was this big sensationalism where, you know, a tiger in New York Zoo tested positive for COVID. It's like, okay, first off, why would you have tested the tiger? Who yeah. held the tiger down while you stick that thing up its nose? I mean, how did the, I mean, what would provoke yeah. you to even test the tiger for COVID? And when would the tiger have gotten close enough to any humans to actually transmit it? When Exactly. And it was like so out there. It was like so over the edge. And it was like, what in the world is happening to people? But yeah, unfortunately, people's pets were, were blamed for things and, and yeah. put to death because of it. It's horrible, horrible. Um, people need to start appreciating and understanding if they understand the value of what animals have with their relationships to humans you know it would you know it would be a better place i mean people to this day still tie up dogs outside you know dogs are, yeah. dogs are kept outside and they're like tied up on ropes yeah. and um it, it's horrible you'd horrible be surprised at what my what luxury my dog actually has <laughs> Oh, I know. I had a vet tell me I want to be a dog in your house. I was like, can I come on with you? Can I be your dog? Because, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. Told, uh, exactly he said of the Yorkie. He looked at the Yorkie and he said, this isn't a dog. This is a diva. And I'm like. <laughs> You'd have actually dressed him up. What was that, Billy? You dress him up, don't you, Paddy? <laughs> I, I do. He's he got his him. own wardrobe of clothes. He's got a push chair. He's got yeah. his own bed. He's had um, various beds. He's, I've just actually purchased him a new one. Um, but he's had uh, literally four poster beds and things like that. And he, you know, he loves he loves my bed. To be honest, he's uh, he's stolen everything from me. Yes. <laughs> He's quite entitled to do so. Well, you know, um, those yeah. kind of dogs with the little flat face, I mean, those kind of dogs, that's what they're bred to do is look cute sitting on a pillow. Do you really know is. what? I've actually they're done that with every dog. Yeah. Every, dog the, every dog and cat that I've actually had, and I've had a few over the years. I mean, my dad was a huge, huge animal lover. In our house, we'd had about seven dogs all in one go. You know, he'd, he'd rescue them and, and you know, and we'd have all these dogs. And and I've always grown up with, with dogs and cats. My dad absolutely loved them and you know and I, I take after him I think on that score because uh, obviously my dad didn't dress his dogs but <laughs> I did <laughs> well Patty probably is used to it by now but we are running out of time now Billy show us the books let's show everybody the books yeah well and and how they can get the books because these are wonderful books they're all on Amazon uh, and we have that one is a wig is as good as a smile, as a smile. And, and it we, is. Then we've got the healing paw. The healing paw. Yeah. Not all it, angels have wings. And this is true, guys. Dogs and cats. There are miraculous stories out here of dogs rescuing people. And, um, you know, I even had a dog at one time who barked and barked and barked one night. And 
the old man's house across the street was on fire and we were awakened and were able to call the fire department because the dog kept barking at the window and alerted us that the, the man's house was on fire. So it, it's pretty amazing. But um, you can get Billy Roberts books on Amazon.com. Just go into Amazon.com and type in Billy Roberts and it's going to bring you to his page with his books on animals and other books that he has. And um, you can always get a hold of me at KalilaSmith.com. I have a website and it's my name, KalilaSmith.com. I'm also on Facebook. We've got an Afterlife Mysteries page on Facebook. And Billy and I also have a page, um, Billy Roberts and Kalila Smith, uh, on Facebook. So come and like the page, see what we're up to. Uh, Billy and I are working on a couple of new books right now, getting ready to come out hopefully soon. But uh, we're running out of time, folks. I want to thank Jude. Thank you for joining us. I loved hearing about Patty. I had so much fun. And it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And Billy, it's always wonderful to see you and, and spend time talking with you because it's just so fascinating. Yeah. Uh, you're just a plethora of, of information, oh. uh, especially when it comes to animals and, and psychic abilities and so forth. But we are going to say good night for now, or good afternoon, depending on where you are. If you're in the UK, it's good night, folks. Yeah. And if you're in America, <laughs> it's good day. And uh, thank you all for tuning in for another episode of Afterlife Mysteries. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great day. And you.